thanks for joining us once again on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Truly appreciate you listening to all of our programs. Well, I'll tell you what, when it comes to the Lakers, there's some things going on. We're coming to that last portion of the season. Things you got to go ahead and tune up before the playoffs. And one of the things that they wanted to go ahead and do was try to fortify the roster. And they made a change getting Markeith Morris off the waiver wire. He was recently released by Detroit, went through waivers, cleared waivers, and we let go DeMarcus Cousins, who may or may not have been healthy come playoff time. I mean, that's up for debate. He had stated on his uh, on a podcast that he was actually thinking that he was going to be maybe okay, which is – you know, never a great sign because, you know, you can never really tell if, if DeMarcus Cousins was going to be 100% or right. be able to give you any type of contribution. But I want to hear your thoughts on getting Markeith Morris, uh, you know, a player that may have not been the Morris twin that people at Lakers fans were hoping for, but he's still a, a decent 6'9", 40% three-point shooter that could give you something off the bench, but was it worth getting rid of DeMarcus Cousins? You know, I just I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm comfortable with them getting rid of Demarcus Cousins. Uh, yes, Markeith Morris is decent. He's actually a a 35% shooter from deep, 45% field goal percentage for his career. So he's not he's not terrible. But you look at a, a at a talent like Demarcus Cousins, what he's able to do when healthy, and I just don't know, especially for the the bargain bin price that we got him for. The amount of money that we spent to, to get him, uh, which is like one point eight million, I think, for or maybe maybe just under two million. Point is, we got him at an extreme discount as far as the Lakers are concerned. So there was very very little to lose, but tremendous upside to be gained. And I think that in a situation like that, you've got to you've got to kind of see that through, man. He's such a he's such an awesome talent. Uh, when he's healthy, I mean, he was an awesome talent for Golden State when he was healthy. When he was healthy, he was carrying some of those games in the fourth court for Golden State. Uh, so I think that if I'm the Lakers, I would have held on to that. I'm a little concerned if I'm if I'm Lakers front office because we didn't make any big splashes. We didn't make any big trades. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, we still have Kyle Kuzma. We still have uh, the the core Laker team from the beginning of the season intact. Um Actually, everybody from the beginning of the season we still have on the squad. Uh, and yet, other teams around us are getting better. The Clippers got substantially better. The Clippers are are getting better. And I just, I'm concerned. Uh, I have to, I, I got to, you know, obviously here at the Lakers Fastbreak Podcast, we're not going to lie. I'm I'm a little nervous because I feel like who we're going to end up trying to go get in, in, the, in the free Asian market now, the J.R. Smiths of the world, the Markeith Morrises, they're okay but jr smith hasn't played a, a, a nba basketball game in how long now um a little over last, a year now the last thing he was known for was gafing uh, in, in in that finals where he he didn't know which basket to shoot at what possess like he didn't know what possession he was at and to take a shot and they, that's our best option like I, I i gotta tell you man that's that's a little bit of a, a of a of a stain to me uh, that's a little nerve-wracking, again, considering the fact that our crosstown rivals, the Clippers, they're they're just getting better. And now, granted, obviously, you're looking at injuries to Paul George right now. They're not playing their best basketball. 
But to be frank, they don't really need to. Uh, and they're not looking to be the number one seed or the number two seed or the three, four, five, six seed. They just want to make it to the playoffs. And they're of the mentality that once we make it to the playoffs, we can beat anybody in the seven-game series. So I really don't care if we're at home. I don't care if we're away. We're going to beat any team in a seven-game series. And they've just got this dog mentality to them that I just don't see from the Lakers uh, right now. Uh, I'm excited that Anthony Davis is, is rejuvenated as far as the defensive end. Obviously, he had a little bit of a scare with his calf injury. And that uh, seems to be the status quo for him. Get injured at some point early in the game. Mm-hmm. And then come back and, and dominate. And dominated, yeah, it's crazy. I think he's, he dropped what twenty four points in the second half, and uh, just was a monster for regards to blocks. But what's concerning to me is just that they're not they're they just haven't added any additional help. And while I, I'm excited for the Lakers team that we have, I, I got to tell you, man, that's that's a that's a scary thing considering the fact that other teams are getting better. Absolutely. It is a scary thing. You see Houston going all in on the downsizing and, and getting, you know, not one, but two individuals that they think can help. And then you also have the Clippers with, like you said, getting Reggie Jackson, getting Marcus Morris, the other Morris, the more, uh, I guess, uh, vaunted Morris brother right now, this who's playing at a much le- you know better level overall this season than what Markeith was doing. Yeah, it's just the signs are there that you know, all these other teams were making moves. And I know you and I have discussed this before. I think when it comes to Rob Palenka, you know, there, mm-hmm. there are those inexperiences. Those, there are those times of inexperience when dealing with certain things. And when it comes to manufacturing trades, when it comes to executing the trades, but also when you hear these rumors of the buyouts and, and coordinating and all that, I mean, these things are not always done on the up and up. I mean, players talk to each other. And, oh, and, absolutely. and agents talk to each other and agents talk to GMs and all that. And, you know, you need to be more part of that conversation and, and to not understand exactly everything that's going on. And Darren Collinson, I mean, we bet just like we did before with Kawhi, we were all in on Darren Collinson becoming a Laker mm-hmm. and we were all in on Kawhi becoming a Laker. And unfortunately that those two situations are, are have somewhat, they mirror each other the fact that we we put so much stock into that that we wasted all this time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and look what happens. But you're you're not able to build the best roster you can because of it. Yeah, and you could take it even a step further than that. We were all in on Paul George becoming a Laker before Kawhi. So this was this is it seems to have been uh, an mo for the Lakers. We were linked to these these huge players. You know, we're linked to these these monumental players and then all of a sudden something happens where it 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 doesn't come to fruition so the latest i heard that somebody had mentioned Giannis Antetokounmpo would possibly at some point look at becoming a laker and you know obviously i'm i'm not now i'm not 100% sure that, that would ever happen but it's just you know when lebron came over that was kind of a it was a very very quick very quiet thing that happened like it was not a i knew that the lakers were a possibility but i didn't think it was a real possibility and all of a sudden it kind of just happened um, as opposed to being linked to somebody and being linked to somebody for a long period of time, and then it happened, or, and then it ended up not happening, like Kawhi, like Paul, like obviously now uh, Collinson. It's just a, uh, it, it's frustrating. Yes, it does to me indicate a bad, a, a lack of uh, consistency and a lack of uh, experience in regards to closing these deals. This is the time where you missed the, the doctor bus, who had this way of closing deals, where you you would pay. Any kind of money to get Jerry West back in, who had his way of connecting with players and closing these kind of deals. 
um, you, you miss that. And for us to have not only not only miss out on that type of stuff and then give Rob Polinka a promotion again, you know, we talked about that a few months, a couple months ago where I need to see this promotion play out. I, I, I'm telling you, brother, I, I don't I, I don't I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this at all. Oh, I wasn't a fan either. I mean, I had told not only you, but I had told uh, Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net, who was for signing him in January. And I was like, wait until the end of the season. See where your team performs from there. And he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's not like he was one of the hot GMs listed that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I can get my job in here. Like Masai yeah, Jerry. David Griffin, yeah. Yeah, David Griffin. Masai, well, David Griffin, you know, I cannot still believe he was out there as a free agent, uh, you know, exactly. after he, he got kicked out of Cleveland. You see how that worked out for Cleveland. Yep, oh, yeah, they've absolutely. done tremendous since tremendous then. Tremendous job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but Masai Ujiri, he goes out in the open market right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, every team wants him. Oh, yeah, game on. Yeah, but with Rob Palenka, though, you know, the Lakers would just happen to be in the point where they're bidding against themselves, and that to me is quite troubling. I mean, let him finish the season, then you evaluate it from there. You could take a step back, you can see where you're going with your franchise, you can see the future, how well has he done so far? You can see it from that standpoint instead of just hurrying up. Okay, we're we're leading the Western Conference after the first 40 games. We're going to go ahead. This is really good. We're going to go ahead and give you a big raise and a promotion. You didn't have to do that. There was not no. any, but there's not any need, any just incessant need to do that right away. No, absolutely not. And 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 again, let's let's be frank. LeBron picked the Lakers, and it wasn't Rob Plinka that did it. It wasn't anybody LeBron had a desire to play for the Lakers and and that's great that's fine but let's not go acting like Rob Plinka pulled off this miracle heist this miracle thing Anthony Davis who happens to be with Clutch Sports wanted to go play with LeBron it wasn't Rob Plinka you could have had Ray Charles in there and he would have got that deal done because that's something that the players wanted to happen and, now, then, and but an experienced GM might have actually been able to maneuver yes. and keep back more assets, which you could have used at this point in time in the trade deadline. Exactly. Because, again, Anthony Davis made it very clear where he wanted to play. This was not a secret. It wasn't a surprise. So when we do things like give Rob Polinka a promotion for doing things that anybody would have done, this was not special. Nothing Rob Polinka did was special or or was something that nobody else could have done it wasn't like this is a rob Polinka exclusive like it wasn't a wash it wasn't a woge bomb like this was anybody who was gm of the los angeles lakers at this particular time would have pulled this off so i just i, I didn't agree with the rob Polinka thing but obviously you know we're we're splitting hairs and we're crying over spilled milk at this point um the problem is the the lack of experience is starting to show in a situation like this where again we're in the free age we're in the market where the trade deadline and we stand pat, and everybody else around us is getting big, better. It's just not a good look. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm still looking at how we're going to get past the Clippers. But even if we get past the Clippers, how do we get past Giannis? How do we get past that Milwaukee Bucks team that's young, that's loaded, um, and that's hungry? That's hungry right now for a championship. It, it's just, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't, I just don't know if the firepower now in the free agent market is out there. Uh, well, right now out there, I don't think there is. I mean, if you know, Mo Harkless was somebody that I think was probably the one of the last individuals I thought that could possibly help the Lakers from a wing defensive standpoint. 
but even he has said very strangely, but well, actually, no, it's not so strange because he's from New York that he actually, this is a lifelong dream for him. Let's see after a week with playing for the Knicks if that still is that lifelong dream for him. <laughs> but, you know, be that as it may, you know, he, it looks like he wants to stay in the team at least through the end of the season. So that's something that the Lakers were possibly hoping for, but it hasn't quite materialized. But, you, see, you know, I agree with you. The lack of activity. I know Tom had said to me as well that he is a big believer in the team chemistry. And you're right. There is a great team chemistry that they have, but – you shore up that back line of, of depth and fill some of those needs, that creates, a, I think, a little bit even more confidence and would instill even more of a great attitude you know, within the top Lakers that, hey, this, this organization is trying to do everything that they can to build a championship team now, right, right now, because right. their window is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, we're looking at a team like – Golden State, who essentially, I mean, Curry is going to be coming back. He's looking, he's eyeing like a March 1st return. Uh, so Curry is going to be coming back soon. Klay Thompson has already been ruled. He's not coming back this season. Um, they are going to be a bottom uh, feeding team for the rest of this season. They're a tanked team for the rest of the season. So now they're going to have a great draft pick. So now, next year, you're going to load back up with Curry. You're going to load back up with Thompson. You're going to load back up with Draymond. And you're going to have a great pick. And you're going to have a, a, a lottery pick, too. They just set themselves up for next year. So, yes, our window of opportunity is like three months. That's about as big as our window of opportunity is before Golden State comes back to reassert themselves. Steph Curry comes back to reassert himself. And, again, Giannis is not going anywhere. Giannis is going to just get better and better. And uh, uh, sooner rather than later, the league is going to be his. So the window of opportunity is rapidly, rapidly closing. And for us to stand pat at the trade deadline is just, it's a concerning thing to see as a Laker fan. I think so as well. I think it's something that, you know, could be exploited during the course of the playoffs. But then again, your, your roster or the, the amount of players that you're going to be running on your regular rotation does get shorted. Yes, it does. It it does become to the point where, you know, AD and LeBron are going to be playing the majority of the minutes. In fact, you will see less of that great center combination we've seen perform so well this season. Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, they will play less minutes because there will be a point in time where they'll be basically strategized by the other team to be so, you know, to play at such a small that you're going to have to play them. You'll basically be playing them off the floor at periods of time more than you are now during the regular season. So the Lakers cannot play as big as I think during the course of the run that they want to. And I think that's going to be something like, especially when you're playing Houston, Houston, if they continue to try and play too big, they could get them, that could get them in a lot of trouble, but they can't play too small. If that makes sense, they can't play as small as Houston, but they can't play really, really big because then it gets them in the long run too. They had to find a happy mix they can go ahead and and still dominate with. But that also accounts for, you know, virtually every other team that they match up against is that these teams will try to match up to where they're going to try and succeed from a smaller standpoint, which is going to pull and drive those big players off the floor. And and basically you're going to be having to say AD, you're going to be playing the you're going to be playing the, the five spot a lot more than you did so mm-hmm. this season. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, let's be clear. That was one of the things he was not looking to do. He did not want to spend a lot of time at the five spot. But absolutely, you're going to spend a lot of time at the five spot, and especially if you're playing a team like Houston. You're going to be able to try to take advantage of that because of the fact that you're a tall, versatile big man who can still come out and guard the perimeter if you need to. They're going to need that, especially going against a small ball team like Houston, who's going to want to put a six foot seven, six foot eight center out there on the court to try to spread the offense. This is a, this is exactly why uh, a player of, of Shaq's ilk would not work in, a, in in this version of NBA basketball. A player of Shaq's ability or lack of ability, if you would, to come out and guard the perimeter, they would eat Shaq alive. You get these you get these um, these wide or these spread fours, these spread fives who can go out there and pull up from 17 you can go out there and pull up from 20 and knock down a jumper and actually still dribble and get to the paint uh, it's not going to work so yes anthony davis he's going to spend some time at the five he's going to have to get over it because right now that's where we're going to need you and hopefully with the fact that we're going to short down to a, a shortened rotation of about seven eight players um throughout this playoffs there's a real good chance for some good synergy i just i just really 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 hope that our synergy is enough to carry us to a championship because at this point that's all we're going to have i agree with you on that it's going to be very tough because the fact that you know matching up against the clippers one to 12 is not as appealing i mean the lakers are very top heavy let's put it just right out there i mean with lebron and ad they'll match up against anybody but the question is once you get through players three through ten on the rotation where does it line up from there against all these other teams? And that could be the difference in a playoff series. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. We've had these issues over the past weeks or whatnot with Rajon Rondo. I mean, he plays great with LeBron at the same time they're on the floor, but it's those minutes when LeBron gets off the floor that the team, statistically and also with the eye test, you can tell the team is in trouble because they give up big leads. They're more apt to go ahead and not play as functionally as a unit. They're not pretty to watch. They're, they're not cohesive. Their turnovers just increase quite a bit. When you see them on the floor without LeBron, and a lot of that falls on the plate of Rajon Rondo, my question to you is, in recent weeks, unless Rajon Rondo has been really hot, for the most part, there's been those period of times where it gets to the point, you know, you, it almost seems like in case of emergency, and I, I said this to Jimmy Simonis, to me, Alex Caruso 
seems to be like that fire alarm for the Lakers that you break the glass in case of emergency. <laughs> and you don't want to play him on a regular rotation. But if he gets to the point where it seems desperate or it seems like you want a boost of something like uh, of some nature, then you play Alex Caruso and then he delivers, you know, for whatever reason, his hustle, his, you know, whatever his playmaking ability that he has. He's not essentially great at any one thing because you can see that. It just whatever he puts together out there on the floor seems to come across and works so well so far this season. And you see that statistically when he's out there because plus minus when he comes right down to it, he's just behind LeBron in that stature. Right, right. So I ask you, my friend, when it comes to a playoff scenario, and we always hear about this playoff Rondo, playoff Rondo, and I'm sure everybody on the, you know, as far as Lakers fans are concerned, are praying that we're going to see this playoff Rondo come back to form once again. But I'm not holding as much stock into that as, as maybe some other individuals are. But I ask you, with the way we've seen the season so far and those those times when Alex Caruso or the Caruso, as they call him out there, <laughs> you know, is it time for him to just finally get some consistent minutes and not be that, okay, in case of an emergency, he's not always going to be able to bail you out if you have him just sitting in the, in the bench all the time not knowing or not being able to go ahead and get some regular rotation type minutes. You know, the the way that they use Caruso now reminds me a lot of the way that they use Shannon Brown back in the early 2000, early to mid 2000, mid 2000s, I guess, mid 2000, 2010 uh, Lakers. When they, the way they use Shannon Brown, they brought him off the bench. And he gave a, a lot of instant offense, um, very electric, a uh, fan favorite in Los Angeles, uh, be able to come in and just, uh, give them some type of life off the bench. So I feel like they use Caruso the same way. Where I think that keeping him as a spark plug works is because while teams have an opportunity to really scout him, they don't have a huge opportunity to scout him. And I, I my fear is that if you scout him and you really get a game plan for him, you're going to make him ineffective. Uh, very much in the way that Jeremy Lin uh, when he was going on this incredible tear back in uh, 2000 and whatever with the New York Knicks, um, once he was scouted and once people started actually game planning for Jeremy Lin, they effectively made him ineffective. Uh, uh, so I, I think that I like the fact that Alex Caruso, um, unless he's doing things in practice that we're not seeing against, because truth be told, uh, he's been okay. He's been offense off the bench, but let's be clear, he's not a Lou Williams off the bench. He's not putting up 20, 25 points a game and and providing a, the majority of the offense for the second unit. Um, he's just a great little quick spark plug to plug him in and and let him get the crowd going. But then you take him into a, a an away arena and you take away that home court, then you kind of take away that power that he has in regards to getting the, the crowd hype and getting the crowd going. So I, I think that you got to be judicious in using him from the standpoint of unless he's showing you something in practice that we just haven't seen in the games, unless he's showing you this consistency in practice that you haven't seen in the games. I think that you're using him the way that you need to use him for right now. Um, one of the things that I had always admired about Kobe is that he practiced harder than he played the games. That way, when you're playing these games, you were going to be ready. You were going to have everything thrown at you. You'd already know what to expect. When Kobe got you in practice, Kobe would beat you up. I'm talking about physically beat you up. He would mentally beat you up. He would get you game ready. So that way, when you get to a game situation, this is easy. I've done this already. So I'm hoping that that's something, not so much that that that's going to happen, but that Alex Caruso is 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 ready to be that player that 
that takes that leap and he's been having these great practices and now maybe we'll get to see it as a as a rotation player but i just i just i'm concerned that he's going to be exposed and right now i think the magic of caruso is the fact that he comes in does what he does and gets out if that makes sense that makes sense and dean i'm just like i said in the big stage where it's out there can he perform as that safety valve like he has during the course of the season because you're asking someone that you know this time last year he was a two-way player and he was uh somebody that wasn't he couldn't or couldn't actually be a full-time nba player because he was a two-way contract player and didn't get his chance until the last 25 28 games of the season like right about now is when he was able to start getting his chance playing for luke walton at that point in time so yeah it's not he he doesn't have that established background either so you wonder when the lights are brightest is he going to be able to go ahead and perform as well as he has right now during the course of the regular season so Hopefully playoff Rondo comes back, but just in case he doesn't, <laughs> you know, Alex Caruso, you know, the lights may come on and the Alex Caruso may have to go on instead, but we'll wait and see how that works out. I wanted to ask you on that note, and you talked about some of the things that we could do in the last week of basically, or essentially anybody that wanted to be bought out or anybody that's out there on the free agent market already. One name that I was looking up to check his contract status is Jeff Teague as a backup point guard right now with Atlanta, but who played essentially a lot of minutes for Minnesota earlier this year, who is thought of as a, you know, pretty good journeyman, uh, you know, decent guard from the point standpoint. I think he would be an upgrade, probably one of the few that's left that's out there that could possibly be someone that the Lakers might be interested in that could help in that scenario. I don't know what your thoughts on Jeff Teague, because, you know, he's someone that's, played in the league 10 years he's been around he he can score for you quite a bit on occasion but again he disappears because he's not that i should how they say he he doesn't want the, the big time spotlight or, or like some of the other players that are out there but he's someone that can pop in 10 15 20 30 points on given occasion yeah i mean ah uh... He just he's not one of those names that really get me going. I mean, uh, his best season, which was in uh, Atlanta, he averaged 16.5 points for the 16.5 points, uh, 43 percent shooting, which is good. Don't get me wrong. He's 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 going to be an upgrade to Rondo. Let's let's be clear. Um, But that's not he needs to have better aspirations than just being an upgrade to Rondo. We need somebody that's looking to be that starting point guard that's going to come in there and immediately make a difference. I don't know if Jeff Teague is that guy. Again, he he averaged those points back in 2013 and hasn't come close since. In 2019, he's averaged 7.2 points at 39.4% field goal shooting. I'm just not cons- not convinced he's the guy. Uh, but, again, anything's going to be better than regular season Rondo. If we get playoff Rondo, it's a different ballgame. And we've seen some flashes of playoff Rondo. I know how you feel. You are just so disrespectful when it comes to Rajon Rondo. I just don't understand. I just look at the numbers. I just look at the numbers, my friend. That's all I'm I looking just don't at. See it, but it's more. See, 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 here's, here's, here's where I'm going to get Stephen A on you. See, here's the difference. Oh. You have to understand that it is more than just numbers. You can't just look at a basketball player and look at him purely from a numbers perspective because while numbers don't lie, they don't tell the whole story. There is more to a player than the numbers that he puts up. There's plays that there's 50-50 plays, there's loose balls, there's other aspects to being an NBA player than just 
numbers. You just and I understand you, that people get so hung up on numbers, and it's and just I understand not always... that. But you you give the eye test to him. You see how he plays defense, and you see that he doesn't stick to his man. You you see that he doesn't fight through screens. You see that he he very quickly relies on other individuals to help him out from a defensive standpoint. I mean, we talked to before on this show how he will not go and fight through those screens and follow his man and basically or essentially leave his man open to go ahead and, you know, it essentially becomes a four on five or he'll do his famous things where he's gambling on defense. But LeBron likes to do that too. So if LeBron is also trying to, you know, lay off his man and gamble on defense and you have Rondo doing essentially the same thing, that really gets very dicey for the Lakers from a defensive standpoint. And I think that's where it comes in as far as the biggest detriment to his game and where his game has really fallen off is the fact that Rondo, from a defensive standpoint, has become really hard to watch. From an offensive standpoint, his three-point shooting comes and goes. I mean, it wasn't like last year where, oh my gosh, we saw him chuck up there and brick three-pointer after three-pointer. Now it seems to go where he'll get on a roll because they're laying off him on the defensive side. But, you know, there are other points of time where it's not as pretty a sight to see. But again, from a defensive standpoint, I think that has stayed consistently poor. And that's the issue I have with both because numbers are not, you could see the numbers, but you also see in the eye test that he's really not committing to the defensive side anymore. Maybe it's because of age or whatnot. It's just, it's just how something he's not planning to do at this point in time. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's the age. I think it's the uh, also the idea that he's got a bunch of big guys playing behind him. So he can kind of cheat on defense a little bit because he's got a Dwight Howard to back him up. He's got a JaVale McGee who can come out there and back him up. He's got Anthony Davis who can come out there and back him up. He's got LeBron who can come out there and back him up. So when you have such a luxury of big guys in the paint that can come out and defend the wing and still come out and, and be athletic, it makes it <sighs> – it makes it more attractive to go out there and maybe gamble on defense because you know you've got backup. It'd be different if there's nobody back there that can that can recover and can help on the backside and, and can still guard the paint. Um, but he doesn't. He he's got that luxury. So I think because he has that luxury, he tends to do that because he's trying to make something happen. It's a blessing and a curse at the same time, if you will. I guess you're right on that. We'll have to go with that. But yes, playoff Rondo does need to, you know, basically show up because if he doesn't, that could be that, that could be that could be harsh for us yeah. here as Lakers fans. And you know, I don't have anything personal against him. Yeah, he played for Boston, you know, for so many years, big deal and all that. I mean, he is a great influence when it comes to him coaching on the sidelines and speaking to the younger players or speaking with LeBron about how they perceive the floor because LeBron sees him as a peer on his knowledge mm -hmm. and experience of the game. Mm -hmm. But the thing is just him being out there on the floor is sometimes hard to watch. You got to admit that. <laughs> and, and you see the results. I, you see the yeah. results in the late yeah. third quarter when LeBron's not in there and he's guiding the show. And you know, that's, that's the time where Laker fans hold their breath. And I've seen it on more than one occasion where the lead gets reduced or the lead gets lost or, the, you see the plus minus right there. You don't have to look at the numbers. You can see it right there and you see, okay, who's out on the floor? AD, 
Okay, AD was just prospering with LeBron on the floor. And mind you, you're not going to get a LeBron to come in as a backup, but someone of LeBron's skill level's backup. But you need just someone to hold the water. You don't right. need to gain the lead. Right. You just it's hold it. You just hold it. Just hold the lead. Tread water. Just, just tread water for it. Just us. tread water. I mean, if you got a 10-point lead when LeBron sits, if you got an 8-point lead when he comes back, or a 6-point lead, or you know something like that, that's fine. You only lost 4 points. There you go. No problem. But when you, when you just within a couple of minutes span, lose that lead right away. Mm-hmm. That's what I think really, it just makes LeBron's job harder. In fact, like uh, for instance, last night, I mean, the Lakers lost a hugely, they were leading by 25 points in the third quarter. Right. And, you know, it should have been to the point where LeBron and AD should have been sitting out the fourth quarter, but unfortunately things happened, mm-hmm. lost their focus, lost their concentration. LeBron sat down, boom, that lead goes awry. And yeah. the Lakers have to work harder than they actually had to to get the job done. Hey, listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground. We're the signaling the ref for Mike a Coles quick timeout, but you we'll be back with more of the, the Lakers podcast, Fast Break. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy <laughs> happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. Well, you know, it goes back to what we said kind of at the beginning of the show. It's no secret the Lakers are top-heavy. And so if you're going to be a top-heavy team, you're going to have to do the things that top-heavy teams need to do, and that's get out to a very, very aggressive start. That's get out to a very, very big lead, and that's to allow the second unit, uh, that's to allow yourself a chance to get a breath while the second unit comes in and just tries to hold the line as much as possible. But to do that, you've got to be aggressive and go out and get an early lead right from the jump and, and, and just hold on as long as you can. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, it is going to be something we're going to have to be watching and carefully evaluating and not just looking at the numbers per se. So I agree with you on that. <laughs> the eye test is there as well. So we're going to have to be continuing the eye test over yeah. the course of the next few games. It is another big week with a lot of big matchups coming up during the course of the week. Your thoughts on what the Lakers need to hone in on during the next portion or this portion of the season as it goes forward. I mean, they've talked about what's going on with the rescheduling of the game that was canceled due to the unfortunate mm-hmm. death of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. That's going to be something we're going to be talking about in early April because they're playing back-to-back-to-back then, and that's going to be tough regardless right. because there have to be right. some load management there. But right now going forward, at least for the end of this month and early into March, what are you looking forward to seeing from the Los Angeles Lakers? Just a little bit of consistency. Looking at their schedule, obviously we got Boston coming up tomorrow, but then after that you got New Orleans, you got Golden State, you got Memphis. Uh, obviously we're looking at a, a a potential win in Golden State, a win in New Orleans, even though Brandon Ingram is actually playing some decent basketball, and a win in Memphis. So I'm not as concerned finishing up this month, but where it starts to get a little testy again, we're gonna go back up. You know, in March, early March, we we're playing the Bucks, we're playing the Clippers. We're playing Houston. We're playing Utah. We're playing Denver. So we've got some uh, some trials by fire coming up here. And if I'm the Lakers, we need a win against these teams. We need a win against the Bucks. We need a win against. We need a win desperately against the Clippers. We just need to have one going into the playoffs. 
right now we haven't got anything. We lost out to 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 the Morris deal as well. So we we lost <laughs> we lost the two games. We lost Morris. Uh, we're just we're just losing to the Clippers right now. So we need to win on the eighth against the Clippers. Uh, Brooklyn, obviously, with Kyrie going out with shoulder injury, uh, another shoulder surgery again. We're looking at a win there. Houston playing small ball. I'm not 100 sure if that's going to be enough to beat the Lakers. But Denver is going to be a tough team. Utah is going to be a tough team. So they've got some trials coming up right now. Yeah, we're going to finish the 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 month strong, but we're only looking at another three or four games. After that, it's going to be some some proving ground time, and and we'll be able to really kind of see what the Lakers are made out of. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we're we're pleasantly surprised. Hopefully we will be. I, I just can't wait for it. It's an exciting time for us right now. I mean, the Lakers are are so far doing so well, and if they're five games up in the Western Conference. I mean, they're they're right now looks like more and more and more with each and every day that they're going to be number one in the Western Conference, and that's a great sign heading into the playoffs. Whether or not they can sustain it, that's going to be something that entirely that we're going to have to look at going forward and. I know you and I will be on hopefully many more times talking mm-hmm. about this and talking mm-hmm. about the Lakers and what's going on. And just health at this point in time, I think is yep. most paramount. I, I mean, you can't really do many more tweaks on the roster. Just health. Just stay healthy. That's all I can, I ask for. You know, basketball is a game of attrition. And, and right now, like you said, absolutely, it's, it's about staying healthy and making it to the playoffs as whole as possible. You need to be there as whole as possible with as much uh, synergy as you can muster. That's why if they were going to make any type of moves, they needed to do them sooner rather than later. Because, again, you want to allow that chemistry to continue to gel, continue to build. They they look like they really enjoy each other. So I can appreciate that. I really, really can. But you need more. You need more firepower. And if you're going to introduce more firepower, you want to introduce it early enough um, to where it's not going to. Uh, they're going to have opportunity to gel and an opportunity to kind of keep that cohesiveness going because truth be told, there is something to be said for that. Absolutely. And let's hope they start integrating in that, you know, Marquise Morrison there as quickly as possible. They can't do it obviously in the Boston game, which everybody has already, you know, knows about by now, but hopefully this week they can start getting him integrated into whatever the Lakers want to do. And I'm, I, I tell you what, I'm, Still very positive on the outlook for the team. I still think that, you know, in a seven-game series, they're still the team to beat. But, you know, I'm more nervous than ever, my friend. Clippers yes. are loaded 1-12. to 12. Milwaukee's loaded 1-12. to 12. Utah, you know, Denver, Houston is going all out with its we can win with small ball better than anybody else. And that could be something that could work very well for them or against them. So I'm – kind of more even nervous than I was at the beginning of the season or even halfway through because it's it's looking more and more like it's going to be a dogfight for the trophy this year. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Well, all right, my friend. It's been great talking to you. Once again, I'm talking to TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground. You got to check out his podcast where they cover the latest and greatest in news, politics, pop culture, cigars, as we were saying on our Pop Culture Cosmos show, chocolate cake. I mean, they're doing you know, so many great things. TJ, Big Haas, and Jason Dutch, you got to catch them today on Voice from the Underground, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's awesome, my friend, to talk to you so much on the Lakers. I'm so glad that you're back on the show. Been trying to get you back on forever because I always appreciate your insight. Amen. It's just awesome to hear because, you know what, if I don't hear it, I know you're sleeping. Yeah, well, you know, that's the... 
that's the beauty of being in different time zones but it makes uh coordinating some things a little difficult and even you know when i do question you underground the podcast these guys record so late and i have to be up so early it just makes it very very difficult but yes brother i'm back computer is working i have a new laptop that is working and hopefully we have no more of the that where this that you know it, it just it, it's smooth so prayers up fingers crossed that it continues to work smoothly but uh you'll be i'll be back on a little more frequently now well that's awesome to hear because the gremlins have stayed away i was figuring <laughs> something it was me or Streamyard or anything like that but you know those gremlins are away and i'll tell you what it's just so great to have you here back full time once again right here on the lakers fast break 